In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Each one of us here this morning hopes to die a right and a timely death, to truly breathe our last breath after having lived a full, long, and purposeful life, to die when the time is really right. Or as Mo Bandy, a country music singer, sang, Lord, don't let that cold wind blow till I'm too old to die young. What about those deaths that just are not right? Those deaths that just aren't fair? The 16-year-old boy killed in a car wreck. The death of a mother of four young children who dies of breast cancer. A child who was shot in a drive-by shooting. These are deaths that just are not right and not fair. I think the death of Lazarus seems to have been one of those kind of deaths kind of death that came too soon, a death that was not right, not a blessing but a curse, really a death with sting. I want to imagine what might have been going on in Martha and Mary's house at the time of their brothers dying. Friends and family probably came by over the last few days bringing by food and casseroles just to sit there and hug with them, to cry with them over the injustice the unfairness of Lazarus's death. And Martha may have been seething, really seething on the inside, and I've never understood this part of John. It says, when Jesus heard that Lazarus was ill, and although he loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus very much, he stayed where he was for two more days. I wonder why. Why doesn't he go right away? John says something like, so the Son of Man might be glorified through this. I have a hard time with that. A very hard time with that thinking Jesus lets Lazarus die just so he can be glorified. And so Martha's probably seething on the inside. The first word she hits him with when he walks through that door is, Lord, if you had been here, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. In other words, where were you? What took you so long? It's almost a prayer. A prayer of anguish and desperation. Much like the prayer when Jesus is sleeping at the back of the boat and the storm comes up and the disciples get scared. They run to the back of the boat, they wake Jesus up and they say, don't you care that we are perishing? I think that's a prayer too. A prayer of desperation, one we've all prayed and we will pray again. Frederick Buechner says, before the gospel is good news, it is bad news. It's life lived in the raw. Life lived in the 24-hour news cycle. Life in which bad things do happen to good people and to bad people too. But nowhere is this bad news truer than the deaths of someone we love before we think it's time. Whether it's in Bethany or in Jackson or Meridian, I think we cry out just like Martha did. We say, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And don't you care? Don't you care that we are perishing? Maybe even lesser prayers. Lord, if John hadn't gone on that trip, he'd be here today. If only I hadn't let Jane have the car that night. 
So here we are this morning. Despite all our best efforts, we're all terminal. Our lives do not go on forever, nor do the lives of those we love. It's hard to face. Hard to face, but each one of us sitting here this morning will one day die. But Jesus hates death. Jesus hates death. When he gets to the grave of his friend Lazarus, he cries. And the people gather around and say, see how he loved him. Because Jesus knows the pain, the agony, the hurt of the death of one we love. Lazarus in the tomb is bound. And we're also bound because I think death jerks us around. It fills us with fear. We achieve, we accumulate, we take out insurance against it. But no matter what we do, no matter how we live, it all ends. But thank God, though, we have hope. You and I as Christians have hope that although death can be a villain, although it can sometimes be a blessing, although it can come before we think it's time and too early, it is not the end. As I was writing this the other day, the sun started coming up outside my window. A little bush with yellow flowers on it is beginning to burst forth with new blooms and new flowers and new life. Ezekiel sees a valley of dead, dry bones. Then there comes a strange wind, this breath of God, and the bones come to life. Jesus is called to the bedside of his dying friend. He gets there too late, and Lazarus has already died. Yet Jesus goes to the cemetery. In a loud voice, he shouts and he says, Lazarus, come out! And Lazarus comes forth bound in his burial clothes. And Jesus says, unbind him and let him go. I will say to you this morning, even though death seems to be in control of our lives, Jesus is in control of death. The core message of the Easter mystery is there's no darkness, no tragedy, no misfortune, no death that cannot be called out from a lifeless tomb. Lazarus in the tomb is the bad news of life. Lazarus slowly coming forth from that tomb is the power and the good news of the gospel. Next Sunday, we'll begin the last walk with Jesus as he heads toward his death on the cross. May you and I walk with him step by step and pain by pain and nail by nail until he's nailed to that cross. Then let us be raised to new life with him raised on with new life on Easter morning. Let us come out of our own tombs, be unbound, and rise to new life with him. As Father Robert Capon said, Jesus never made a corpse that he didn't raise. He never met a corpse he didn't raise. And thank God he didn't. Amen.